0: If you'll take your Bibles to 1 Chronicles chapter 11, I'd like to share a few thoughts with you that I hope will be a help, and I hope it'll be a blessing to you this morning. I know this has been a help to me. The Bible tells us in 1 Chronicles 11, and then also in 2 Samuel 23, you don't have to turn to 2 Samuel, but the Bible tells us that David had some mighty men. Now, I've always been intrigued, and some of you ladies, I hope, I'm, I hope I don't lose you on this, but I've always been intrigued with military. I never served our military. I'm thankful for our military. I'm thankful for our country. I'm thankful for the men and women right now that are serving and defending our freedoms. But as a boy, I used to think it was the coolest thing just to get, get dressed up in the camouflage and get the, you know, the, the toy pistol or the toy guns, and, and go out in the backyard and crawl around, you know, military style. And I don't know what our neighbors thought. We lived in town. You know, our neighbors probably thought we were crazy, and they were probably right. But we used to get out and play soldiers and play army. I guess maybe that's part of the reason. I think another reason that this intrigues me so much of David's mighty men is because I understand, and I think you know, that David, King David is a picture of King Jesus. And can I tell you, we're not here today to serve a human king, we're not here to serve a human leader, but we're all here today to serve our heavenly king, King Jesus. And as a soldier in the army, I'm glad I'm saved, but if you're saved today, you are a soldier. Now I don't know what you're doing in the battle, and I don't know how much you're accomplishing in the battle, but we're all soldiers in the battle. First Timothy says we're to fight the good fight of faith the Bible tells us that we're to put on the whole armor of God and if we're going to be soldiers we might as well do the best we can we might as well have an impact we might as well make a difference and David had some soldiers in his army it tells us in 1 Chronicles 11 that there were 1,300,000 soldiers in his army that's a lot of soldiers but then in this chapter in 2 Samuel 23 The Bible tells us that of 1.3 million soldiers, David had 37 mighty men. Now, these men were incredible. It tells us in this chapter that Jehoshobim, he killed at one time with a spear 300 men. It tells us that Eleazar by himself, when everybody else left, that he defended a barley field. It tells us in 1 Chronicles 11 that Abishai killed 300 men with a spear at one time and the Bible tells us about Beniah in this chapter. It tells us that he killed uh, two lion-like men. He went down in a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion by himself and these were some amazing amazing men. The Bible records for us how that Samson at one time killed a thousand of the Philistines The Bible tells us in the book of Judges that Shamgar was a man that God used as a judge to kill 600 at one time. Of course, course we know about Saul and David. The Bible says they sang the songs. Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. So we understand that this was something that everyone strived to be. And all these soldiers, all these men, they wanted to be the best. They wanted to be the greatest. 2 Samuel 23, Adino killed 800 men with a spear at one time. Eliezer, the Bible tells us in 2 Samuel 23, that after he got done defending the field, the Bible tells us that God worked a great victory and it says that his hand clave to the sword. Boy, that's a powerful illustration for today, isn't it? Wouldn't it be great if we had some folks here at West Coast Baptist College, some students, that when you got done with Bible college and you, uh, you went to your home church or you went to your ministry this summer or you stay here and you serve God, wouldn't it be great if our hand would just cleave to the sword? Wouldn't it be great if our hand would be on the sword of the Lord, which is the word of God, and if we would make this book a priority and make this book more than just a class, make this book more than just a book on the shelf, but make it our life. The Bible tells us about Shamma and Shammah defended a lentil field when everybody else left. These were mighty men. I enjoy reading about, I enjoy studying some of our special forces in the United States military. I love reading about our Navy SEALs. It was about 10 years ago that some Navy SEALs, they uh, went uh, uh, in the Indian Ocean, they uh, jumped overboard, they swam several miles, they climbed a ship, and from 30 yards away, they picked off with sniper rifles, they picked off some Somali pirates, and they did that to save one American hostage. About eight years ago, some of our special forces went into Pakistan and they captured and killed Osama bin Laden. It's an amazing story. 40 men in the middle of the night. It took them about 40 minutes to get in and get out and accomplish the mission. That, that motivates me, that excites me, but not for what I can do physically and not what we can accomplish in the military, but what we can accomplish for the Lord. Would you notice First Chronicles chapter 11, and we'll begin reading in verse number 15. We find that of the 37 mighty men, there were three that David said these were the mightiest. These were the top. These were the best. These were the most elite. Now, we've already read, or I've already given you some numbers. 300 men, 800 men, killed a lion, uh, killed, a, uh, killed a, and defended all the, uh, the, 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 the field against all the enemy soldiers and all that. But look at what these three guys did. It says in verse 15. Now, three of the 30 captains went down to the rock, to David, into the cave of Adullam. And the host of the Philistines encamped in the valley of Rephaim. And David was then in the hold, and the Philistines' garrison was then at Bethlehem. And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem that is at the gate. And the three break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. But David would not drink of it, but poured it out to the Lord and said, verse 19, My God forbid it me that I should do this thing. Shall I drink the blood of these men that have put their lives in jeopardy? For with the jeopardy of their lives they brought it, therefore he would not drink it. These things did these three mightiest. I'd like to preach to you for a few moments this morning about these three mightiest. And I'd like to say very simply that What these men did was not easy. We we know that. Because if it were easy, everybody would be doing it. Have you ever noticed that in the Christian life, it's not easy to take a stand for God? It's not easy to be faithful. It's not easy to be holy. It's not easy to do what's right when others are not. It's not easy, but can I tell you this morning, it's always worth it to do what's right. It's always worth it to take a stand. It's always worth it to be holy. But if it were easy, everyone would be doing it. Lord, help us as we look at your word. I need your help. I need your power. I pray that you would speak to our hearts as these college students have the privilege to sit in so many chapels and so many services and so many classes. But Lord, I pray that maybe something this morning would help and something would register and something, Lord, would penetrate their heart and would stick with them that they would determine with your help and with your strength, to be mighty men, to be mighty women for God. I pray that in this room there would be many pastors and many assistant pastors and many missionaries and many Christian school teachers. I pray there'd be many Sunday school teachers. I pray there'd be many faithful, godly laymen. I pray there'd be many faithful prayer warriors. I pray there'd be folks that would be faithful as husbands and wives and mothers and fathers. And Lord, may we be a people that would be mighty, For your honor and for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Number one, very quickly, I see just a few thoughts about what made them the mightiest. Number one, I see that these three mightiest were close. C-L-O-S-E, they were close. You see, if there's 1.3 million soldiers and there's 37 mighty men, David, at the time, he was holed up in a cave. He was not sitting on the throne. He was not issuing decrees and issuing edicts from the throne. He was in a cave and David made a statement just in passing. He said, I wish, I wish that somebody could just bring me some water. I just wish I could have a taste of that good old water from the well in Bethlehem. You see, those three, I don't know that they were the strongest. I don't know they were the mightiest. I don't know that they accomplished the most, but I know this. They were close enough to the king that when the king made that request, they heard it. Can I tell you, young people, I understand you're in Bible college. I understand this is the cream of the crop in our nation of young people that want to serve God. And my hat's off to you. I commend you. I thank you. We are for you. But can I tell you, in Bible college, it's an easy place to backslide. Because if you're not careful... The Bible just becomes another textbook and Bible class and chapel and church. It just becomes another thing on the schedule. But we need some Bible college students. We need some young ladies and some young men that will say, I'm not going to backslide in Bible college. I'm going to get closer to God in Bible college than I've ever been. I'm going to have time to read my Bible, I'm going to carve time out to pray, I'm going to spend time, I'm going to walk with God. I don't want to just get the good grades in the class, although we want good grades in class, amen. And all the teachers said, you should have been saying amen on that one. We don't just want the good grades in class, but we want to be close to the Savior. That's why you're here, right? so that you can be drawn closer to Jesus Christ. James chapter four, the Bible tells us if we will draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to us. You say, Pastor Jeremy, I'm not as close to God uh, maybe as I should be. Well, I got news for you. You're as close to God and I'm as close to God as we choose to be. Because God desires for us to walk with him and talk with him and fellowship with him. I love the story in 1 Samuel. There was a priest by the name of Eli. There was a young man by the name of Samuel. They were staying in the same place. But something happened one night. Samuel heard a voice. And the voice called Samuel's name. And Samuel ran to Eli. You know the story. And Eli said, go back to bed. He said, I didn't call you. And it happened three times. Finally, after the third time, it registered with Eli. Eli said, Samuel, he said, I'm not calling you. But he said, I know who is. It's God calling you. He said, the next time that you hear that voice, call your name. I want you to answer and say, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. I wonder here in College Chapel today, I wonder if there's anybody that's listening. Oh, I'm not talking about just listening to the preaching. I'm not talking about just listening to the announcements and listening to the information. But I wonder if we're listening and saying, God, would you speak? Holy Spirit of God, would you speak? I've got decisions I need to make. I've got a direction I need to set. I've got some major things in my life and I want to be a mighty, I want to be a part of the mightiest, but Lord, I need to hear from you. I wonder, would you listen? I wonder, would you be receptive as the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart through this youth conference these next few days? Would you let God speak? Lacey and Savannah have been so excited about coming on this trip with me. I'm telling you, it's all they've talked about for a few months. And I don't know if they were excited uh, about uh, the plane ride as much as getting to see Uncle Jared and Aunt Jill or what, but they were very excited about getting on an airplane. So we got on the airplane yesterday morning and, 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 and they're just looking around. They're just loving it all. And then after the third flight, we got rebooked in Chicago and they actually added an extra leg of the journey just because of the schedule. We got on the third flight and on that flight, the flight attendant is going through all the you know, rules and, and parameters and what to do and what not to do and, and, and you know, pull out the uh, safety information card and, you know, keep your tray table and seat back in the upright and locked position, blah, blah, blah. Savannah looks at me and she rolls her eyes and she says, Dad, we've heard this a thousand times already. You know, keep in mind her first day flying, but it seemed like she'd heard it a thousand times. And, you know, I think sometimes for all of us, especially in Bible college, We think, I've been there. I've done that. I've heard that. Yeah, you know, I I know that story. I know that book. I know that truth. But can I tell you, it's not enough just to know it. We've got to apply it. We've got to listen. These men were close enough that when David made the request, they heard the request. They heard the king speak and they said, we want to do what the king has told us to do. I see, number one, these men were close. But secondly, I see that they were courageous. You see, this mission that they were about to take on, this was not a glory mission. This was not going to be a record-setting mission. They weren't going to see how many enemy soldiers they could kill. They were just going for one purpose, and that was to get a drink of water from the well at Bethlehem and bring it back to David. Now, the Bible does not say this, but I've been told in Bible times that it was not uncommon for the enemy to set up their headquarters wherever the well was. Wherever the water supply was, that was usually a good spot to make that your military base. Well, I do know that this well was near the gate at Bethlehem, and so I'm sure this was a heavily guarded area. And these guys, number one, they were close enough to hear the request, but number two, they were courageous enough to act upon it. Some of you may say they weren't courageous, they were crazy. Well, you can call it what you want to, but they said, we're going for it. Now, notice there were three of them. These guys, the Bible does not say this, but I wonder, I wonder if these guys had been roommates in Bible college. Because it's amazing the things that roommates will come up with that you wouldn't normally do. You wouldn't normally try, but you start talking about it. And one guy says, oh, you would never, ever do that. And one guy in the room always kind of perks up and says, oh, yeah, (laughs) I might. Will you buy me in and out if I do it or, you know, whatever? And next thing you know, it's on, you know, they're crazy. But these guys were so courageous. They were so crazy. And they were willing to do this, not for glory. Not for recognition. I don't think they ever thought our name's going on a plaque for this one. All they were doing was bringing back some water to the king. But they were willing to do something. They were willing to act upon the request of the king. 2 Timothy 1, the Bible reminds us that God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I don't know for some of you seniors. I don't know if it's settling in yet or not. But I remember me when I was a senior, I remember I was so excited to graduate, but I was so terrified of being out of Bible college, like ministry and getting married. And now I've got to make decisions and I can't blame it on the college anymore. I can't even blame it on the roommates anymore. You know, I don't, I don't have anybody to blame, but myself. But God had not given us the spirit of fear. Joshua 1, Joshua told the people, he said, Be strong and very courageous, for the Lord thy God is with thee. I don't know how many heard the request out of 1.3 million soldiers. I don't know how many heard the request out of 37 mighty men, but I know there were three that were close enough to hear it, and they were courageous enough to do something about it. Number three, quickly. I see in this passage, not only were they close and not only were they courageous, but these three mightiest men, they were careful. You see, I think, I think for Adino and I think for uh, uh, Jeshobium and I think for some of these other guys, when you're just killing people, when you just got a spear and you're just stabbing people and you got a sword and you're just slicing people, you don't really worry about, I mean, you just, you swing and you just let the, uh, let the bodies fly and whatever else. But these guys had to go in to enemy territory. They had to break through the Philistines line. They had to get the water and then they had to get back out. Now, I wish I could tell you that they were just very, very sneaky and they were undercover and it was a covert operation. But the Bible says they broke through. They went in there with swords and with spears and they went in there with weapons. They got the water. Now, this had to have been incredible because I don't think they had all the the, the fancy containers that we've got today. So somehow, somebody's got to carry the water back and they've got to get back out And swords are swinging and arrows are flying and spears are are, are coming their way. And they've got to be careful because if they get out and they get back to David, but somebody spilled the water or somebody dropped the water or somebody forgot to bring the water, then the whole mission is wasted. But these guys were careful enough to get the water back to David. They were concerned about finishing the job and doing it right. Can I tell you, in the ministry, it's important that what we do, we do with care and we do it with concern. It's important that we do it with a good testimony. It's important in ministry that we have the right spirit. It's important in ministry that we not look for ways to cut corners. It's amazing in ministry that we must work hard, we must have character, we must do all that we can and then God gives the increase, but God is looking for some mighty men and some mighty women who will say, I'm going to be careful. I'm going to do things right. I'm going to keep myself pure. I'm going to keep myself holy. I'm going to keep myself set apart from the world. I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to be careful to fulfill the mission that God has given me. Can I tell you, as you get out in ministry, there's no such thing as an insignificant ministry. If you're serving God, it's important whether you're running a bus whether you're teaching a class, whether you're running a nursery, whether you're teaching your children at home, whether you're visiting a hospital, whether you're preaching a conference, everything in ministry, when you're doing it for the Lord, it is all important. And let's give it our best. Let's, in whatever we do, whether we eat or drink or whatsoever we do, do all to the glory of God. You see, any one of these three qualities I think is amazing. The fact that they were close and they were courageous and they were careful. These men had amazing balance in ministry. By the way, balance can be a hard thing to find. And balance can be a difficult thing to attain. But what about the end of the story? Would you notice with me in verse number 18, they broke through the host of the Philistines. They drew water out of the well of Bethlehem. that was by the gate and they took it and they brought it into David. Now, you have to realize for these mightiest men, This was before Instagram. This was before Twitter and Facebook, and this was before Snapchat, and this was before social media. If it had been during the time of social media, you know they would have had the cameramen ready. They would have had the videos running and the cameras all set because they would have wanted to see the reaction on David's face. They would have wanted to see David take that first drink of that water, they would have wanted to hear him say, wow, I can't believe you guys did that. That tasted so good. Thank you. Thank you. You guys are the best. I'm telling you what, I don't know how you did it. I'm sure they imagined that many times in their mind. But you know what's amazing about this story? It has a very, very different ending than what those men thought it would have. Because they brought the water back to David and it says in verse number 18, But David would not drink of it, but he poured it out to the Lord. Now, hang on. I know we think we're spiritual. I know we look at these Bible stories and say, I'd have been okay with that. Oh, yeah, no no problem. King can do whatever he wants to do. Not me. I'd have been ticked off. I just said, wait a minute, David, hang on. Did you or did you not say you wanted to drink from the well of Bethlehem? Did you or did you not say that that's what you wanted? And we risked our lives for you to take that water and to pour it on the ground and not even drink it. I'll tell you where many of us would have been if we're honest. We would have been offended. We would have been hurt. We would have said, I can't believe that the Bible college professor would treat me like that. I can't believe my pastor would say that. I can't believe my parents or I can't believe my friend or I can't believe my youth pastor or I can't believe that somebody in our church that I loved and I respected, I can't believe that they would say something or do something or treat me in that fashion. And some of us, if we're not careful, we'll have something like that happen to us and we'll quit. It's amazing the things that people quit over. It's amazing that even in a Bible college, somebody can get bent out of shape. Or in a ministry as a pastor, or a youth pastor, or a music director, a Christian school. It's amazing that we find that we get offended. And by the way, if we're honest, we all do, right? I mean, we're we're all human. But can I remind you that these mightiest, I think one of the greatest reasons why they were considered the mightiest, number four, is because they were committed. They were committed enough that they did not get offended when things did not go their way when the story had a different ending when the results were not what they thought they would be and young people i wish i could stand here today and i wish i could say if you will surrender your life and serve god i wish i could tell you that everything's going to work out the way you think it will but i'll tell you this it won't there'll be things in your life that you won't understand i told the story when i was here a couple years ago It was shortly after Uh, Jill and Jared, myself, our dad passed away. He'd been pastoring the same church for 20 years and no problems with his health, no warnings of any heart condition. And we got a phone call in one day that said, dad's gone. Can I tell you, that's not the way I pictured him. That's not the way I planned it. And I'll tell you, you look and you say, but God, why? God, why would something like this happen? And you have already been through difficulties and you'll go through more difficulties. I'm just warning you and telling you and preparing you that life is not always what you want it to be. And the ministry does not always work out like you imagine it now. But can I tell you this, you got to be committed enough to say no matter what the outcome. I'm not committed to an outcome. I'm committed to the cause of Christ. And I'm committed to King Jesus that he knows what's best. I think David made the right choice. I think David did the right thing. He didn't drink it. He did something better for those men. He poured it out to the Lord. And so those men, they were not just doing that for David. They were doing that for the Lord. But I'll tell you this, King Jesus doesn't make any mistakes. And God's plan in your life and God's will in your life, if you'll trust him and serve him, and if you'll stay close to him, and you'll be courageous and you'll be careful and you'll do everything you can to please him, I got good news for you. He'll take care of it. I'll, I'll promise you Romans eight twenty eight still in the book, that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. I wonder if we would be committed like these mightiest. There'll be times when you do not understand what God is doing. There'll be times where you can't figure it out. There'll be times where you think something should be very different than what God allows it to be. But I ask you this morning, are you committed? I see so many pastors and preachers, and I think of Brother Gray. What an amazing man of God. If you were to talk to Brother Gray, and he's been here many times and preached here many times, I promise you, he'd tell you things don't always go like what we expect them to go. But I'll tell you this, as for God, His way is perfect. You can trust God. If you'll enlist... And if you'll determine today to be a mighty man, mighty woman of God, if you'll say, I'd like to be a part of the mightiest, God will use you and God will use me if we'll stay close to Him. I wonder if God's speaking to your heart at all this morning just about staying close to God. I know the year is almost over, but this isn't time to check out. This isn't time to backslide. This isn't the time to put in cruise control. wonder, would you stay close? Would you stay courageous and dream big for God and attempt great things for God and then expect great things from God, as Adoniram Judson said? Would you be courageous and would you be careful to do what's right and to follow the Word of God? And then would you be committed?